0: welcome to quarantine seminary with brother isom hey everyone uh welcome back to today's lesson we're in Third Nephi chapter 16 today. And we've wrapped up in chapter 15, the Sermon on the Mount. And so everything kind of from here on out, Jesus will quote some other things, like he'll quote Isaiah and he'll quote Malachi at different times. But this is this is Book of Mormon original stuff that we have here. And uh, he's going to expand on uh, things that he taught during his mortal ministry and he's gonna he's gonna feel more open and more free to teach um to teach the gospel from from the perspective of a god a resurrected being he's not gonna feel so held back by the stiff-neckedness or unbelief of the people that he's teaching and uh which means that we're going to get the goods here in third nephi and uh so let's just jump right in and we'll continue some themes that we started to see in third nephi chapter 15. um in verse 1 he's still talking about the other sheep that he has right remember that in john 10 16 he said to his disciples and Uh, Palestine, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also must I bring. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. And then he makes it clear in 3 Nephi 15 to the Nephites and Lamanites that the other sheep that he's talking about include the people there in the Americas, Um, but that the people back in Jerusalem, they don't know about the Lehites. And they also don't know about any of the other Tribes of scattered Israel. We call them the lost tribes because they're lost to the people of Jerusalem. And so he's continuing that theme here in verse one, where he says, I'm going to talk to you about these other sheep, which aren't from here, that is the Americas, or from the land of Jerusalem or any of those areas. Um, and in verse two, he says, For they of whom I speak are they who've not yet heard my voice, neither have I at any time manifested manifest myself unto them. But I have believed, but I've received a commandment of the father that I shall go unto them and that they shall hear my voice and shall be numbered among my people. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore I go to show myself unto them. That's pretty fantastic. We believe that there are people and even records. We'll see, um, that Jesus references from places that aren't, Recorded in the Book of Mormon and aren't recorded in the Bible, and that Jesus ministered to those scattered sheep, those lost tribes, and part of this is because of the covenant that the Father made with the House of Israel, that Jesus would be their Messiah, that He would come to fulfill and redeem uh, them, and and they have this, and God is always faithful to His covenant, so Jesus is going to go to each of these lost tribes and unfortunately we don't have all records of those and um what i'm about to say it's not like official doctrine or anything like that this is just one of the experiences that i had growing up um when i was 17 i went to india for um for some time for a couple months And I got to travel around a bit, and India is a really ancient place. There have been civilizations in India for thousands of years. And um, there's a really kind of a confluence of culture there. There's Christians, and there's um, Hindus, and there's Muslims, and there's Buddhists, and there's Jainists, and there's, uh, you know, there's just all these different types of of religions and people there. And they're all kind of converging on this one area. And when I was up in the Himalayas, uh, and I was kind of hanging out with some Buddhists up there from Tibet, they, they would talk about Jesus as, um, one of the Bodhisattvas, one of their, like their main teachers. Um, and it's not just Buddhists in the Himalayas. There's uh, Hindus in the area who also talk about Jesus as one of their main teachers. And there's actually a tradition in the area that Jesus did teach in India, that he lived in India. And um, most of the tradition thinks that like he lived there during his mortal life. But I just... And I don't know if it's rooted in um, something that actually happened or if this is just something that... I, uh, kind of folklore that came up among the people, but I just found it interesting that that here uh, we are in a part of the world that isn't covered in the Book of Mormon or the Bible, and yet they have their own belief that Jesus ministered to them and uh, and their ancestors, and it's recorded in their writings and their scriptures and things like that, um, and. So I think that's just phenomenal. I think that at the very least, it suggests that, you know, there are these other traditions that maybe we don't, we don't know all of those traditions. That would actually be a pretty cool book if someone went around and without judgment of whether they were real or not, just gathered up traditions about where Jesus ministered and, um, and put them in a collection. I think that would be a really cool book. Anyways, so... Jesus is giving this expanded vision to the people in Bountiful here in third Nephi. And he's saying, look, even you don't know about all of these different scattered Israel. And in this next section, he's really going to expand on this idea. Um, In verse four, he says, And I command you that you shall write these things after I'm gone, that if it so be that my people in Jerusalem who have, seen me and been with me in my ministry, do not ask the Father in my name that they may receive knowledge of you by the Holy Ghost and also of the other tribes whom they know not of, that these sayings which ye shall write shall be kept and shall be manifested unto the Gentiles, that through the fullness of the Gentiles, the remnant of their seed, who shall be scattered forth upon the face of the earth because of their unbelief may be brought in or may be brought to a knowledge of me, their Redeemer." And then will I gather them in for the four quarters of the earth. And then will I fulfill the covenant which the Father hath made unto all the people of the house of Israel. So it seems like at this point that there's still an option. There's still an opportunity for the people in Jerusalem, his followers in Jerusalem, to by revelation learn about the the people in the Book of Mormon. And that's not surprising. We have people like Nephi, son of Nephi, who knew of Jesus' ministry during his mortal life, even though he was over in the Americas. Um, But that Jesus wants these words recorded so that if this record doesn't make it into the Bible, that the Book of Mormon will have record of this expanded view of the covenant and the gathering of Israel. And that through this record, and Jesus specifically says, uh, you know, these sayings, shall, you shall write and shall be kept and shall be manifested under the Gentiles. We're talking about these sayings mean that the record that's in the Book of Mormon manifested under the Gentiles. Think about the first generations of the restored church. These are all who the Book of Mormon talks about as Gentiles. And Nephi really, um, is pretty clear that when he says Gentiles, he's talking about these Western European, uh, colonizers in the Americas. Okay, so keep that in mind. The Book of Mormon is brought forth by the Gentiles, by Western Europeans in, in the Americas, and then is then taken to all these different places in the world. And Jesus even says, you know, to the remnant of their seed, the Jews, um, and all four corners, Israel and all four corners of the earth. So that's a pretty expansive view, and we can see how that's happening right missionary work is going on all over the world the book of mormon is a primary tool in that missionary work and uh the restoration really began among the gentiles in the promised land okay um and nephi is going to talk a little or jesus is going to talk a little bit about these gentiles starting in verse 6 he says blessed are the gentiles because their belief in me and of the holy ghost um, which witnesses unto them of me and the Father, right? So, this goal that Jesus has of bringing us all into relationship with Him and the Father and the Holy Ghost, the Gentiles, some of them are going to experience that, some of us are going to experience that. Um, and it's because of their belief in the Book of Mormon and in Jesus Christ. It says, verse 7 Behold, because of their belief in me, saith the Father, and because of the belief in you, O house of Israel. In the latter days shall the truth come unto the Gentiles, that the fullness of these things shall be made known unto them. Here we're talking about the restoration, clearly, okay? And remember, the Gentiles, according to Nephi, were these Western European colonizers, okay, in the Americas. But in verse 8, there's this blessing in verse 6 and 7, and then in verse 8, Jesus says, But woe saith the Father unto the unbelieving Gentiles, for notwithstanding they have come forth upon the face of this land, meaning the Americas, and have scattered my people who are of the house of Israel, the descendants of the Book of Mormon people, and my people who are of the house of Israel have been cast out from among them. Think about what happens with colonization. There's this genocide in in the Americas, um, both by plague and by force of arms against the Native Americans. Have been trotted down under feet by them. That's verse 8, verse 9. And because of the mercies of the fathers unto the Gentiles, and also the judgments of the Father upon my people who are the house of Israel, verily, verily, I say unto you that after all of this, and I have caused my people who are the house of Israel to be smitten, to be afflicted, and to be slain, to be cast out from among them, and to become hated by them, and to become a hiss and a byword by them, right? That after the Gentiles have been blessed and and have been used to as um really to put a, their their burden on these people who have lived in the Americas, these Native Americans, right? That after all of that, it says, at that day in verse 10, when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel and shall reject the fullness of my gospel and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations and above all the people of the earth and shall be filled with all manner of lyings and deceits and of mischiefs and all manner of hypocrisies and murders and priestcrafts and whoredoms and secret abominations. And if they shall do these things and shall reject the fullness of my gospel, behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. That's sobering because Jesus is is clearly describing what's happening in the latter days um, and what happens when these Western European colonizers re- colonizers reject the gospel, some of them will, will believe in the gospel, will be a part of the, the restoration. And then there's going to be those who reject the gospel. And then he says, I'm going to bring my gospel out from among them. They're not going to have access to it um, because of their lyings and deceits and mischiefs and hypocrisies and murders and priestcrafts and whoredoms and secret abominations, sometimes we use the Book of Mormon as this, like, I don't know, as this patriotic pamphlet that talks about how the United States is just the best place in, in the whole world. And there are certainly promises about the North and South America that are contained in the Book of Mormon. Um, and clearly, the United States has a, a really important role in the restoration. Okay, so that that has to be recognized. That That's one of the messages of the Book of Mormon. But other messages of the Book of Mormon are that we have to be on alert because it's not a foregone conclusion that, Anybody who, you know, settles in North America, they're going to be like inherently more righteous or better than anybody else. Um, the Book of Mormon is not a nationalistic document. In other words, it doesn't draw borders around people and say, if you're on this side of the border, you're great. And if you're on that side of the border, you're terrible, Um and or if you, you live under this flag, you're great, and if you live under that flag, you're terrible. That's not what the Book of Mormon's doing here, it's all by conduct, Lyings, deceits, mischiefs, hypocrisy, murder, priestcraft, whoredom, this kind of inequality that's being described. Like these things bring consequences, regardless of what, what nation you belong to, and uh, and this should be pretty sobering for us, um, because the Lord here is speaking to uh, members of the house of Israel about what's going to happen in the latter days, that the Gentiles are going to be instrumental in bringing forth the gospel, bringing forth the book of Mormon, gathering Israel. But if they're not a part of the program, if they're not a part of the story that we're talking about with the Abrahamic covenant of using Israel to gather in the rest of the world, if they're not on board, then They're going to lose that opportunity to be a part of it. And in verse 11, he says, And then will I remember my covenant, which I have made unto my people, O house of Israel, and I will bring my gospel unto them. And I will show unto the, O house of Israel, that the Gentiles shall not have power over you, but I will remember my covenant unto you, O house of Israel. And ye shall come unto the knowledge of the fullness of my gospel. Verse 13, but if the Gentiles will repent and return unto me, saith the Father, behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel, and I will not suffer my people who are of the house of Israel to go through among them and tread them down, saith the Father. But if they will not turn unto me hearken and hearken unto my voice, I will suffer them. Yea, I will suffer my people, O house of Israel, that they shall go through among them and shall tread them down and they shall be as salt that has lost its savor, which is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden down underfoot of my people, O house of Israel. There's that power reversal. Gentiles have scattered um, descendants of the Lehites uh, in the Americas uh, through all kinds of means. Um, We call that colonization. And Jesus is saying, if... Gentiles don't get their act together and gather in the house of Israel uh, using the Book of Mormon and bless them and lift them up, then it sounds like the Gentiles are the ones that are going to get scattered. And, uh, and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like or what the timeline of that's going to be, um, but it should it should help us to have a clear understanding about what our role is as Latter-day Saints in 2020 that our role is not to let artificial boundaries that we draw whether because of history or culture or race or anything like that our goal isn't to let those boundaries separate us from other people our goal is to and our role is to gather God's children from wherever they're from and gather them into the covenant that's that's the role to lift those who are are suffering to mourn with those that mourn comfort those who stand in need of comfort be salt be light that's the job blessed are the peacemakers um and if we find ourselves kind of picking sides and getting ready to join in whatever squabble is happening because of these artificial boundaries that um that mean so much in our world today right just because they're artificial doesn't mean they don't have real impacts um if we let ourselves buy into that conflict and we miss our covenant to use the book of mormon to bless god's children there's consequences to that as jesus is foretelling right here um and And so I'm really grateful that that Jesus made sure that these words were recorded so that we in our day could read them and have a really clear understanding that, like President Nelson has said, the most important work, more important than any other identity that we might have or conflict that we might want to engage in is the most important work is to gather Israel. And um, Jesus really brings it home in this chapter, starting at verse sixteen. He says, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, thus saith the fa- thus hath the Father commanded me that I should give unto this people this land for their inheritance." And then the words of the prophet Isaiah shall be fulfilled. Now he's about to quote Isaiah fifty-two seven through ten. Really important cha- uh, chapter and verses. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice; with the voice together they shall sing. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. The holy, the Lord hath bear, made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. This is such an important quotation that Jesus is including here from Isaiah. What this describes is... Um, Isaiah is using Jerusalem as kind of a way to make a prop <clears throat> a prophecy and uh in in this prophecy you have Jerusalem which is surrounded by all these mountains okay and <clears throat> they're really like hills but they call mountains and at this point Jerusalem is conquered by some foreign enemy right they it's not living in God's kingdom it's living under oppression and the watchmen in Jerusalem lift up their voice because they see this messenger from afar off. And, uh, and this messenger, right, they, they sing. Uh, the watchmen lift up their voice and sing together for they see eye to eye and they see the Lord bringing again Zion. This, this eye to eye sight is a symbol of, like they were in conflict, now they're in peace. And they break forth into joy because the message is sing together ye waste places of Jerusalem for the Lord hath comforted his people. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm, right? The covenants that the Lord has promised that have been waiting to be fulfilled. Now they're fulfilled. That's, that's the idea. And so, you know, Jesus is grounding this fulfillment of the covenant, the establishment of Zion he's weaving it into the story of the restoration and there, there's going to be a point where the Gentiles having, uh, the faithful Gentiles taking the gospel in and gathering in the remnants of the house of Israel and the Gentiles who won't be a part of that gathering, who refuse to be a part of that gathering, gathering, but instead choose lying and mischief, mis- mischief and inequality and vanity and all of these things, that those Gentiles will be scattered and Zion will be allowed to flourish, which is pretty fantastic. Um, These themes are going to continue on. We're going to talk a lot about the Abrahamic covenant going forward. Um, It's pretty much all that Isaiah talks about. It's what Malachi talks about. And Jesus is going to quote both of those. Um, And so we'll probably have an episode where we really go deep into that Abrahamic covenant, just to make clear that when I talk about the covenants or the gathering of Israel, that we really understand what's going on there. Um, Jesus is getting into the good stuff. Remember that we started with this really, really overarching view that he wants us to enter into the same type of relationship that he has with his father And, um, and now, you know, he's gone through, he's gone from like a really large vision to a little bit more specific with how this looks in the kingdom, with the Beatitudes to a little bit more specific to what our responsibility is as salt and light and as disciples, um, a little bit more specific to figuring out, to moving away from check boxes to thinking about, you know, what's, what's, what's the overall spirit of Jesus's uh commandments and how we interact with each other and now he's going to get really specific and he's actually talking about history now history that we're a part of in these last days and that has a timeline to it and this is all very fantastic and and we should find ourselves in this story pretty easily going forward um this is uh one of the best parts and and often this is one of the more overlooked parts of third Nephi. So I'm excited to explore it with you. Um, And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.